This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Well, let's get right into the Word. Um, you can see from your notes, a, a couple of weeks ago, I woke up and just as I come out of a sleep, I just, I had this vision on the inside of me of, of God just being a warrior, that I didn't see his face or anything like that. I just knew in my heart that it was God and he had pulled back his bow and he had released this arrow. And he would turn and he would release another arrow. And he would turn and he would release another arrow into all these different areas. And as these arrows, they were flying, they would go through this like chasm and it would just light up as gold. And instantly in my heart, Psalms 127, where it talks about how our kids are like arrows in the hand of a warrior and we direct them whichever way they should go. Well, I knew in my heart the Lord was saying that He is the Father and he is directing his kids into our sphere of influence and that he's wanting us to trust that we are anointed, that we are appointed, and we are the arrows. I want to read in, in Psalms 127, verse 4 and 5, it says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth, and happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Notice what he says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Remember that God is the warrior. In this case, it's referring to moms and dads and parents and family members, but he is the ultimate father. And he's saying that we are the, like the children, that he's, his quiver is full. He is, he is so at a place of excitement that he's reaching into his quiver because he has kids that are equipped. He has kids that are ready. He has people that have been seeking him, that have been developing. And if you haven't been seeking him, if you haven't been developing your gifts, your calling into your assignment, it's, it's not too late. The good thing about God is that his super can come upon our natural and he can speed up the process. He'll never bypass the process, but he can speed up the process. Now, when I saw these arrows being released from the heavenly father to these different areas of influence, the shaft of these arrows were full of fire. They were like glowing. So I want you to keep this image in your mind of God being the warrior and He is sending you and I somewhere to make a difference in such a time as this. Listen to this in, in John 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, this is Jesus talking, as the Father has sent me, I also will send you. The Father sent Jesus on assignment. His assignment was to reconnect you and I back to the Heavenly Father. When God sent Jesus, it wasn't to reconnect us to Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal or non-denominational. It was to reconnect us in relationship with Almighty God. When God sent Jesus, it was to redeem mankind. It was to reveal the heart of the Father. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. And God is saying the same way I sent Jesus to make a difference, I'm sending you to make a difference. Say, that's me. That's me. So the Heavenly Father is releasing. He's reaching into his quiver. 
and he's reaching in and he's grabbing the arrows, the ones who are willing. I've got to ask myself, am I willing to be the arrow? Am I willing to be directed? Because if I'm not willing to be corrected, then I will never be directed. That came up in my spirit the other day whenever I was praying. He said, Trey, if you can't be corrected, you can't be directed. I want you to think, am I willing to be sent into my area of influence to make a difference for the glory of God? Because it's going to take willingness on our part. And like I said, if we haven't been in the game, we can get in the game and God will speed it up. Now, when I have visions or dreams or anything like that, we always go back to, okay, Lord, where's the scripture? We don't take visions. We don't take dream, even if it appears to be from God, unless there is scripture to back up what God is showing us. So we could go on and on, but I just put a few scriptures down to back up this vision that I had and what God is saying for such a time as this. Exodus 15, 3, it says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now they're celebrating, they're singing this song. This is after God had delivered them from Pharaoh. He parted the Red Sea, brought them through on dry ground. The army, uh, uh, the Egyptian army tried to follow him. He released the waters, took out the enemy, and they get to the other side and they're acknowledging, God, when you just blew your nostril, it held up the Red Sea. God, when you just moved your hand, things begin to happen. And they begin to acknowledge, God, you are the Lord of war. It says, God, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Psalm 7, verse 11 through 13 in the Amplified Classic. It says, God is a righteous judge. Yes, God who is indignant every day. If a man does not turn and repent, God will wet his sword. He has strung and bent his huge bow and made it ready by treading it with his foot. He has also prepared for him deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. Remember the image of the father as the warrior releasing arrows into different spheres of influence. The arrows are you and I, and the shaft of these arrows are glowing. Now, when you read this scripture, God is a righteous judge. Now, you and I know that God is merciful. You and I know there's a lot of mess going on in this world right now. And God is not blind to what is going on. Jesus not coming back yet is just a display of his mercy and grace that God is still wanting people to repent and come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But there will come a time that Jesus comes back. There will come a time. He's saying right, right here that God is desiring for people to repent but he has strung and bent his huge bow and made it ready by treading it with his foot. He also prepared for him deadly weapons. He makes his arrows as fiery shafts. Psalms 18, verse 14. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Right here, David is remembering whenever God delivered him from the hand of Saul, and he's worshiping him. He's writing this psalm back to God, and he's acknowledging that, God, there's a time that you send your arrows and bring freedom. You sent your arrows and bring deliverance. And God is saying, I'm sending arrows, you and I, full of the power of God, full of the word of God, full of the promises of 
of God, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, full of wisdom, full of knowledge, in our area of influence to make a difference for His glory. That you and I, there's coming a time that the body of Christ, as the Father releases us into our areas of influence, as the arrows hit, we're going to have wisdom beyond our years. We're going to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation operating in us. We're going to know how to do it. We're going to know when to do it at that moment, at that time. And it's going to bring people into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose for our gifts. It's the purpose for our, our de desires, our passions, our calling is to reach people, to reach people. Always remember that God has other people on his mind. God always has other people on his mind. Let's keep going. Psalms 21, verses 11 through 13. For they intended evil against you. They devised a plot which they are not able to perform. Notice they are not able to perform. Therefore you will make them turn their back. You will make ready your arrows on your string toward their faces. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. And we could go on and on about scriptures, about bows and about arrows and about God being a righteous judge and about him being a God of vengeance and a God of recompense and, and on and on. But the heartbeat of what God is saying, and this is going to go on for I don't know how many teachings that I'll do on this because there's so much about the heart of the Father that, that there's a stirring on the inside of him. There's a stirring. There should be a stirring on the inside of you and I. I can physically feel the intensity in the spirit realm of what God is wanting to do for in you and through you and in me and through me to reach the world around. It is time for harvest of people coming into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're going to see it in the corporate world. We're going to see it in every area of influence. No matter where we go, we should be expecting the power of God, expecting miracles, signs, and wonders. And you are the arrow. I am the arrow. We're the arrows that God is directing and releasing, but it comes back to a place of relationship? Am I positioning myself to hear his voice and to do what he's telling me to do? Am I willing to hear and do? This isn't for the churchgoer alone. This isn't for the people with the big Bibles and the bumper stickers that say, I love Jesus, and they do nothing. No, this is for the hearers and for the doers. Remember the half-brother of Jesus said that faith without works is dead, that there has to be action to what we say we believe. The Father is reaching into his quiver, which is full of people like you and like myself, and he's putting the, the, the arrow in his strings, and he's directing us. And when he directs us, we, we're anointed, we're appointed to go and be who God's called and created us to be. Now, I want you to, to think about the fiery shaft. I want you to keep that image in your mind. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In the New King James Version, Ephesians 6, 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So he's saying all, all the flaming arrows, all the fiery darts. So Satan, is, he's a perverter. He doesn't have anything of his own. So when he does something, he's just trying to copycat God. He wanted to be like God. And so even to this day, so if there, he has a lie, there's a truth that supersedes the lie. 
If, he, if he's, a, he's behind lack and poverty, well, God is behind abundance and prosperity. If he's behind sickness and disease, God is behind um, healing and wholeness. Are you, are you with me? Listen to this. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the religious people of his day, and he says, you are of your father the devil. I'm sure he probably didn't get asked back to that synagogue, but this is what he was talking to them about. And the desires of your father you won't want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning that does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's talking about Satan, talking about him being the father of lies. John 10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it in abundance. In the Amplified, it says, To the full till it overflows. So we see that Satan is a thief, he's a liar, he's a stealer, a killer, a destroyer. And when Paul says, you and I, we have the ability to take up the armor of God, that, that lets us know that God's not going to dress us, we have to take up the armor. And he says, keep the shield of faith out in front of you. Above all, he says, we have the ability, above all, to quench every fiery dart, every flaming arrow of the enemy. So remember, we saw an arrow that is flaming. It is burning down the shaft right here. And, and this, in my heart, I knew I had to, to uncover the arrow that, the, that Paul is talking about right here that the enemy fires at you and I. There was three different arrows during this time. There was one just like you and I would use that it just looked like just a regular arrow and they would shoot it and you know, yeah, it would hurt and stuff a little bit, but it would, wasn't no big deal. And then there was one that they would, they would stick in tar and they would light it on fire and then they would shoot it and release it and it would burn buildings and stuff like this. But then the third arrow, and this is the one that Paul is talking about, you and I have the ability to quench all the fiery darts, all the flaming arrows. This arrow, it looked like a simple arrow. It looked plain. It looked like there was no big deal. But in the shaft, there was combustible fluid that whenever it hit whatever the target was, boom, it was like the bomb of the, of the day. So that's the tactic of the enemy. And he says that, okay, where, where is he shooting these arrows? He's shooting them in our mind. The enemy wants to get our minds. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, don't, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 6, he says that we have the armor of God to overcome all the wiles of the devils. The word wiles, the word schemes, the devices, it all paints a picture of a method that the devil uses to take out people, to steal, to kill, to destroy, to lie. And he says this method is going to be thoughts that come to your mind. So this arrow that doesn't look like it's any big deal, he's shooting it into our mind to try to boom, to try to ignite our thinking that, oh my gosh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Oh my gosh, the corona did this and the, the, the other strands did this and the pandemic did this and the government did this and oh my gosh, and fear and uh, and it ignites fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and unbelief. Now, I don't minimize what is going on in this world, but I'm just uncovering the tactic of the enemy. Paul says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. So he's shooting arrows that they doesn't, it doesn't look like it's that big a deal. And then boom, the next thing you know, you're in a rage. You're just freaking out. You're just afraid as everybody else is afraid. 
Those are the arrows that Paul is talking about. And he tells us that we have the ability to quench every fiery dart. How? By keeping our shield of faith out in front of us. Now the shield of faith, it was designed for each and every warrior exactly to their build. They had the ability, it was the same height, it was the right build for that individual, just like you and I. We have the faith to be everything we're called and created to be. We have the ability in Christ Jesus to win every battle that we face. And there came a time that a Roman soldier, the soldiers, they couldn't overcome another army by themselves. They could overcome the individual battles, the individual fights fights, but there came a time that they knew they couldn't do it all on their own, and they would connect on these shields. There were hinges on both sides of the shield, and so they would connect their shields with the other people's shields beside them, and then they would just make a long line, and it would look like a long wall, a big wall of armor coming towards the enemy, and they would go right up into the enemy's camp, and they would kick tail and take names because they all had their shields locked together. That's the importance of us coming together and developing our faith together and being on each other's side and connecting and locking shields no matter what is going on in this world. We're not giving this country up to the devil. We're not giving our kids up to the devil. We're not giving the school systems up to the devil. We're not giving up the leaders to the devil. We take back this country by locking our shields with one another and we continue to declare the word, we continue to believe the word, we continue to pray, we continue to praise, we continue to do what we know to do in the natural. Are you with me? And he goes on to say, so, so Paul is revealing to us the tactics of the enemy. Now on the other, other hand, the enemy's thoughts are designed to bring fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, fear, unbelief. And if we begin to meditate on these thoughts and let them drip down, get down in our heart and we believe them, the very thing we're afraid of becomes our reality. The very thing that we worry about all, all the time becomes our reality. And that's what the devil wants. On the other hand, God's Word is designed to get into our mind and to drop down into our heart and to ignite faith instead of fear. The answer instead of the problem. That He is healer instead of sickness and disease. God's Word is more powerful than anything that the devil throws our way. But it's up to us to believe it and declare it and apply it and continue to stand on God's Word. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. John 6 63. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. What was he saying? I know the devil is firing these, these dart, these arrows, these flames trying to take you out, but my Word is greater. And what God is saying now, people that are anointed by God, you are the arrow. That's what God's saying. That's what He wants us to get a hold of today. That we are the arrows. And the Father is behind us and He's releasing us into our areas of giftedness, our callings, our assignment our passion, our desire. We have what it takes to make a difference for the glory of God. Your friends and family that if they were to die right now, they would head straight to hell. You have what it takes to, for, to, to know and to be led by the Spirit of God to be at the right place at the right time and share the goodness of God with them. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And God is sending us into those areas of influence to display the goodness of God, to display the peace of God, to display 
display the courage of God, to display the answers of God. You are the arrow in the hand of the warrior who is almighty God. Are you going to be willing to let him release you into that business deal? Are you going to let him release you into the unknown? Maybe a territory that you're not familiar with. Maybe that you're not skilled in. Maybe that you haven't learned. It's the unknown. Are you willing to be sent into the area that you've never gone to before? And the answer is yes. Yes, you know that's what God is saying about you. I want God's yes for your life to get so big on the inside of you tonight that it, it's just rolling over in you while you sleep. It's rolling over in you whenever you get up. God's answer for your life is yes. Remember 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. When it comes to your dream, God's answer is yes. When it comes to your calling, God's answer is yes. When it comes to your family, God's answer is yes. Whatever you're praying about, you find it in the Word, His answer is yes. Yes, say it, yes. I want His yes to get so big on the inside of us that it can't, it, we can't contain it on the inside of us. Go with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. A very familiar scripture. What's taking place right here is Paul is writing to uh, a young minister that is, is, he's got his mind on the problem. He's got his mind on the issues. He's feeling intimidation. He's feeling pressure from people that are older than him. He's feeling pressure, outside pressure. And so Paul's praying for him. Paul writes this letter to young Timothy, verse 5. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Notice what he's saying. He's, he's praying. If you read a little bit earlier, he's, he's praying for him. He says, when I call remembrance to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, I want to encourage you to stir up the faith that is in you. Remember when you got born again, Romans 12, 3 says that each one of us was dealt the measure of faith. Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 25, he says that we have the faith of God. We have a portion of the God kind of faith, and that is always the answer to no matter what we are facing, have faith in God. Well, the government's doing this, have faith in God. This is going on in our physical body, have faith in God. This is going on with the, the economy, have faith in God. What is God's answer always? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And, and Paul is telling Timothy, I'm remembering the genuine faith that you had. Not the pretend faith, not the counterfeit faith, not the show up to church faith and act like everything's okay. No, the faith that is genuine, the faith that is real. Stir up the faith of God. Tonight, I want to encourage you, what keeps that arrow, that shaft burning for the glory of God, where we can go into the areas of influence and light up the kingdom of darkness and rip people out of the jaws of hell and bring them into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, where people can know the power of God? What keeps that arrow full of fire? What keeps that arrow full of faith? What keeps that arrow? We've got to stir up the faith that's in us. Faith that God is our healer. Faith that God is our deliverer. Faith that God is our provider. Faith that God is our protector. Faith that God is our front. He's our back. He's our side. He's our top. Faith that God has got us regardless of what's going on in the world. God has got us. We've got to stir up our faith. This is what Paul is telling Timothy. It's time to get back to your faith. Make sure on a daily basis you're using your faith. What's an what's a indicator that you're walking in faith? 
Because when we come into the kingdom of God, we're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Then we're dealt the measure of faith. And in Romans 1, 17, he says, now live by faith. He says, this is how you're going to overcome the world is by faith. So, so what does all this look like? An indicator that a person is walking in faith is they are believing in their heart and they're declaring with their mouth. If you're not believing God's Word in your heart and declaring God's Word in your mouth, you might have faith that you're going to spend eternity with Almighty God, but you're not releasing your faith for His super to come upon your natural. How do we stay on fire? Stir up your faith when it comes to your finances. Stir up your faith when it comes to wisdom. Stir up your faith. Whatever you're dealing with in life, you find the Scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But you believe in your heart and you declare with your mouth, just like you got saved. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation doesn't mean just going to heaven forever. The word salvation means soundness, healing, preservation, protection, anything that is promised to you and I in the Word of God, we're going to receive it by believing what God has said in our heart and saying it with our mouth. Now, this doesn't happen by doing it one time. It doesn't happen by just doing it every now and then. It has to become a way of life that you spend so much intimate time with God that when pressure comes on you, coming out of your heart is the Word of God. Coming out of your heart, God is my provider. God is my healer. God is my deliverer. God is my way maker. God has given me the wisdom to deal with every situation and circumstance. So Paul is telling Timothy, and he's telling us, Stir up our faith. Look at your neighbor and say, stir up your faith. And he goes on to say in verse 6, that is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. He's saying, Timothy, stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you. He's saying, stir up that inner fire. Do you remember when you first gave your life to God and how real it was and how on fire you were? Do you remember when you've had maybe a, a time when God showed up in your life and you were just so hungry for the presence of God? Paul is encouraging you and I to stir it up, to stir it up, stir up your faith, stir up that inner fire. Go, go to verse seven. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if I'm watching something and it's causing fear, if I'm hearing something and it's causing fear, if I'm thinking on something and it's causing fear, that is not coming from God. God has not given me the spirit of fear. Say that, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, the spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. What does the spirit of power look like? You, you see here when it says um, the spirit of power, and he's talking about telling Timothy, okay, I want you to stir up your faith. Now he's saying, I, I want you to fan that inner flame. I want you to fan that gift that God has placed on the inside of you. Allow the fire of God to ignite you. Now, a lot of times, I want to pause here, because a lot of times we want God to stir us up. 
But it's not God's responsibility to stir us up. It is our responsibility to stir our own self up. So when he's saying stir up your faith, he's not saying God stir up our faith. He's saying us stir up our faith. How do we stir up our faith? Believing God's Word, declaring God's Word, acting on God's Word. How do we fan that inner gift? How do we fan that inner flame? We position ourselves in relationship, okay? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Power. Ignite the power of God. Learn to direct the power of God. Stir up the power of God. Say it. Stir up the power of God. Get God's scriptures on what the, what the Word says about the power of God. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It says when you and I receive the Holy Spirit that we receive power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. When we receive power, when we activate the power, we think about the power of God. We believe the power of God. We, we, we move on the power of God. The power of God shows up. As we go to churches all over the place, sometimes the power of God is in some churches, or maybe it's never in those churches. But in other churches, the power of God is always there. Why? Because they're taught about the power. They expect the power. They believe in the power. I remember when I first got saved, and some of you have heard this story, but it bears repeating here. We're talking about stirring up the power. And when I gave my life to the Lord, I was in El Paso, not in a good environment. So I'm just hungry for the things of God. And I was kind of like the Lone Ranger out there. I mean, I'm just so hungry for God's Word. And I'm learning, uh, you know, partner letters. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just in it. I'm so hungry. And I knew that I had to get to this meeting. I think it was in San Antonio. It might have been in Dallas of Benny Hinn. And before I was saved, I used to think all that stuff was such a fake and all that stuff was such a phony. And so I go and I'm just hungry for the things of God. I'm talking about activating the power of God. And so I wait for six hours in line to get inside this meeting. Six, six hours. I couldn't get anybody to go with me. Of course, they all thought I just was, they was waiting for me to fall back into the old way of living and doing stuff, you know. And so I'm just hungry for the power of God, and I'm worshiping, and we get in there, and my seat is, is like right up on the corner of the stage, and I'm sitting there, and I'm worshiping God, and, and the presence of God starts moving, and people start going out in the Spirit, and whole sections would fall down in the, you know, out in the, under the Spirit of God. And I'm thinking, oh, that ain't happening to me. That's a bunch of bull. And so I'm doing this. And the next thing you know, it comes by our section and does this with his hand. And the next thing I know, I'm picking myself up off the ground. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how did that happen? You know? And so I get back up and, and behind me, I'm hearing this gurgling. And you'd hear people, you know, devils manifesting all over the place. And this guy's, you know, about, I don't know, eight or nine rows up behind me there. And he's, yeah, you know, he's foaming at the mouth. And, and I'm just like, oh my, I've never been around anything like that before, you know? And so I'm like, oh my gosh, don't look. Maybe it'll go away. You know, just ignoring. And, and so I keep hearing, rah, you know, all this foaming. And on the inside, I knew it was the Lord, him saying, I want you to go lay your hands on him. I think, uh-uh. I said, I'm not going anywhere near that. I mean, you know, I'm you know, 20 years old here, and I'm thinking, uh-uh. And so I struggle. I know y'all have never argued with God, but I'm arguing with God at this time. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not, <laughs> you know, and I'm looking straight ahead, and I look back up there, and people are just crowded around him. You know, he's laying in the middle of the aisle, and he's flopping and just gurgling. And, and so I was like, okay, Lord. So I go up there, and I, as soon as I get there, 
his ministry team, Benny Hinn's ministry team gets there at the same time. And they made everybody else go sit down. But they looked at me and they said, except you, you come with us. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not going. I mean, I'm just trying not to take off running and get out of there, you know. And so I pick up this guy's feet and we haul him out into the hall. And, and I'm sitting down at the bottom of his feet. And they just begin, they command, a, you know, they command the devil to come out of this guy. And he just raises up off his back and right in my face. And I'm going, oh, I mean, it was the hottest air you've ever seen before. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, so, but then he lays back down and the peace of God just consumes him. And on the inside, the Lord says, that's just the beginning. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I want to see any more of that, Lord, you know. <laughs> so I go back to my seat. And, but what, what happened that night is it started a hunger for the power of God. That as I begin to study God's Word, that that power is not just for preachers. I wasn't a preacher at this time. I was just somebody hungry for God. The power is not just for preachers. The power is for doers. The power is for anybody who's willing to believe it, receive it, act on it. Not too long after that, I'm reading these scriptures on the power of God. You lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And, I, you know, I'm driving uh, down to a, a rope in, uh, somewhere and the clutch goes out in my truck. I'm just meditating on the power of God. I get there in the middle of the night, make sure nobody's looking, you know, watching me or anything. I get out and I lay hands on my truck and I command, you said I'd lay hands on the sick. My truck's sick, Lord. I'm in college. I don't have the money to put a new clutch in. And so I pray over the thing and I turn off and I go to bed. I go out there the next morning, stick in the clutch, crank it up, and the clutch, I never had another problem with the clutch. I had the truck another two years. What was that happening? That was ignoring the power of God. And so I'm at the college rodeos, and I had one horse. I got him out of Chihuahua, Mexico. I mean, he was tough as nails. I think he might have grew up eating rocks or something. I mean, this horse is so tough. And so we was at a college rodeo, and he blows a tendon in his front foot. I mean, just blows it out. It's swelled up like that. And I mean, I'm mad. I've been meditating on the power of God. I said, uh-uh, devil, you ain't stealing from me. And I'm just learning. You know, this is God's Word. And so I go in that pen, and I lay my hands upon this horse's leg. And sure enough, this healing manifests instantly in his tendon right there. And I got on him, rode him at the rodeo that same day. What was happening? The power of God was igniting. God is wanting you and I to stir up the power of God. I want us to see our, where the arrows being sent into our areas of influence by the hand of God. But we've got to keep the shaft burning. We've got to keep the word stirring. And Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to stir up your faith. He's telling Timothy, I don't want you to submit to this spirit of fear. One translation said this timidity that goes on behind this spirit. There's a lot of that going on in our world. They're trying to be, intimidate everybody they can to get everybody to cower under this fall, nasty, ugly, unclean spirit. And God is saying, I'm sending you full of the power. If you're a born-again child of God, you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And Paul is saying, stir up the power. If you've never received the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that's a demonstration of the power. And you talk about your relationship going to a new level in Christ Jesus where you begin to operate in more power. That is a gift from a Heavenly Father that will change your life forever. And it's for any person who's born again and saved. Stir up the power. He goes on to say, stir up not only the power, but stir up your love. Because everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. Remember Romans 2, 4, it is the goodness of God that turns people to repentance. And when you and I walk in the love of God, now this isn't a feeling. This isn't a warm, fuzzy 
gushy. Oh, let's just wrap up in a blanket in front of the fireplace. No, this is a choice. Romans 5.8 says, For when you and I were sinners, Christ, He demonstrated His love towards us. Romans 5.5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, that you and I have the ability to love the unlovely. And I mean, the Lord has been correcting me all day today. I, I mean, I haven't been doing very good in some of the areas, you know. <laughs> but if I want my faith to work then I've got to make a decision. I'm going to walk in the love of God regardless of how I feel, regardless of what things look like. And you know that sometimes it takes a little bit to bring your flesh under submission to what God is saying. This is where the mind renewal process comes in, that you're going to continue to declare it. I have the love of God on the inside of me. And there's some people you'd rather just take out, you'd rather punch, you'd rather mow them over. <laughs> But as you meditate and you stir up the love of God, 1 Corinthians 13 says, this is what the love of God does, and this is what the love of God looks like. He says the love of God is, is patient and kind, and, and it rejoices in truth, and it doesn't rejoice in iniquity and injustice. And, and it goes on and on in verse 8, says, and love never fails. Love never fails. But see, I can't do that for you, and you can't do that for me. I've got to stir up the love of God that's on the inside of me. When we became born again children of God and we came into the family of God, we had the nature of God planted on the inside of us. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and says, we have the fruits of this reborn spirit is love and joy and peace and longsuffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. He says, against this there's no, there's no law. So this is in us Love is in us, joy is in us, peace is in us, patience is in us, self-control is in us. All these things are in us. We just have to stir them up. Say, stir them up. Stir them up. How do I keep the shaft burning? How do I stay full of the power of God? I stir up my faith. I stir up the power. I stir up the love. I stir up the sound mind. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The word sound mind means a saved mind. It means a delivered mind. He's saying, stir up your saved mind. You're born again on the inside. We call upon the name of Jesus instantly. We're born again. We can know that we're going to spend eternity with Almighty God. But the changing of our life is a process, and it comes by the renewing of our mind. Paul says, now think like you're a saved person. The more you renew your mind to the Word of God, the more sound your mind gets. It says a calm, well-balanced mind. That it doesn't, it's not foreign any longer to live by faith. It's not foreign to your thinking to obey God with your finances. It's not foreign to your thinking to lift your hands and worship God. Why? Because you're a sound, you have a sound mind. You're stirring up your sound mind. Stir up your thought life. Stir up the thinking process. Philippians 4.8 says, if you can find anything good, lovely, just, pure of a good report, think on these things. What was he saying? Stir up your thinking. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What was he saying? Stir up your thinking. Stir up your sound mind. Think like you're a saved person. You don't have the spirit of fear. You have the spirit of God on the inside of you. You don't have the spirit of fear. You have the spirit of faith. Stir up your thinking, stir up your power, stir up the love, stir up the sound mind. Look at your neighbor and say, stir it up. Now let's keep going here. 
Now, he goes on in verse 8, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So right here he's saying, stir up your testimony. He's saying, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And he goes down, yeah, there's going to be some suffering, but it's going to be according to the power of God. He's saying, don't be ashamed what God has done in your life. Don't be ashamed that you've been forgiven. Don't be ashamed that you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Don't be ashamed that you know God is healer. Don't be ashamed that you know God is a God of power and a God of miracles and a, and a God that still protects and a God that is still alive. Don't you be ashamed of where you've come from. Don't be ashamed of the progress that you've made. Don't be ashamed of the greater one that lives on the inside of you. Don't be ashamed when you become that new creature. The life of God is on the inside of you. He says, don't you be ashamed of it. And to the degree that you're not ashamed is going to be to the degree of power that you walk in. So if I'm not walking in power, I've got to look, am I ashamed of the God that I served? Am I ashamed of what I believe? Am I ashamed of how I know Jesus as healer, as deliverer, as baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Am I ashamed that God is still the God of the Bible? Am I ashamed? You're the only one that can answer that for you. I'm the only one that can answer that to me. But if I'm not walking in power, that would be an area that I would need to check. And Paul is telling Timothy, don't back off of your testimony. Don't back off of what God has done. Don't back off of to the degree that you know God. Don't you back off. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. And he keeps going. 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Notice he says, who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Stir up your calling. He's told us, stir up your faith. He's told us, stir up that inner passion, that love for God. Stir up your power. Stir up your love. Stir up your sound mind. Right now he's saying, stir up your calling. If you know what you're called and created to do, he's saying, get back to that, Timothy, because it's easy to get so busy with life that we forget about our purpose, that we forget about our assignment. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? What are you gifted to do? What are you graced to do? What is God placed on your inside of you? What is your dream? What do you feel like the bigger picture is? If money was no option, what would you be doing? Keep going towards that. Paul is telling Timothy, stir up your callings. He keeps going on. He says, stir up your gift. It's the gracious gift of God. Stir up your gift. Stir up your gift. What are you good at? What are you graced at? Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Are you doing what you're called to do? Are you doing what you're created to do? Are you doing what God has placed in your heart? One of the ways to find this is asking yourself, what's required of you? What's required of you? There's only certain things for me and my calling, my assignment. It's nobody else's responsibility but me. What's required of me to know God? What's required of me to develop my gifts and callings and assignment? I'm not going to stand before you when I, whenever I'm, I'm before God. I'm going to stand before God for what I did with my gifts and what I did with my calling. And he's not going to buy the card. Well, Lord, it was too hard. And Lord, it cost so much. And Lord, oh my gosh. No, no. There's coming a day, and I know that, that before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a a restoration of the fear of God in people. 
Not where we're afraid of God, but there's so much reverence for the things of God that we realize He is almighty. We realize He is all-knowing. We realize He is the one that placed the gift in us, the passion in us, the calling in us. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I need you to stir it up because there's other people counting on you to get off your backside and get in the game. Of course, that's Johnson paraphrase, of course. <laughs> but he's speaking to you and I also. Whatever the excuse is, remember the definition of excuse, an invalid reason for neglecting your duty. Paul is saying, Timothy, I don't need an excuse. I need you to stir up the gift and the calling that is on the inside of you. Look at your neighbor and say, stir it up. Stir up that God cares for you. So, so what, what's our action plan tonight? What's our action plan today? We're going we're gonna to stir up our faith. We're going to get God's Word back out concerning our situations, and we're going to believe it in our heart and declare with our mouth. We're going to stir up the inner fire. We're going to stay fired up. We're going to say stirred up. Whose responsibility is it to stir yourself up? It's ours. Begin to declare, I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up about the good things of God. I'm stirred up that God's my provider. God's my healer. God's my protector. I'm stirred up that angels are working on my behalf right now. I'm stirred up the Word is working mightily in me right now. While I'm sitting here talking, I am stirred up that the greater one is on the inside of me. I'm stirred up that my calling, my assignment, it's being manifest and fulfilled from before the foundations of the world. God already has all the connections, all the provisions, all the open doors, everything that I need, it's on the inside of me, but I got to stir it up. I'm going to stir up my power. I'm going to stir up my love. I'm going to stir up my sound mind. I'm going to stir up my gift. I'm going to stir up my calling. I'm going to stir up the reality that God cares for me. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy in verse 3 through 5, 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 5, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and am persuaded that is in you also. So what he's saying here, he's saying, Timothy, I've been praying for you. And he's saying, I'm moved in my heart with what you're going through. He says, but Timothy, I want you to remember the faith that God placed on the inside of you and quit thinking about the struggle. Quit thinking about the pressure. Quit thinking about the intimidation. Timothy, I need you to get your mind right. Timothy, I need you to get your heart right. Timothy, I need you to open your mouth and start declaring the Word of God again. I'm moved with what you're going through, but I'm moved to encourage you to get your eyes back on the author and develop, develop your, your faith who is Jesus. And I'm encouraging the same way. I'm moved if you've lost family members because of all the sickness and disease. But I want to encourage you, get your eyes back upon Jesus. Get your eyes back upon the healer. Get back to believing God's Word, regardless of what the economy does or says or the government or whoever. I want to encourage you, quit thinking because if you think on the wrong thing, it'll drain you. You never can be an arrow full of the power of God thinking on what you can't do, thinking on what you don't have, thinking on the lack, thinking on the disease, thinking on the pandemic, thinking on 
the government. No, you stay full of fire and full of faith when you're thinking of what God said. God's Word matters. God's Word is almighty. God's Word is the final authority. And when we begin to think on that, we will stay stirred up on the inside. I'm going to go everywhere I'm created to go. I'm going to do everything I'm created to do. I'm going to do it at all costs. Whatever the cost is, I will get it done because you're stirring up the gift. You're stirring up the calling. You're stirring up the assignment. And then we'll quit with this because Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, remember, God cares for you. Remember, God, Jesus is moved with the feelings of our infirmity, but he ain't going to leave us there. He's going to turn our eyes right back to him. He said, but you've got to stir your faith up that God cares for me. That God, if anybody's going to get their prayers answered, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to know God, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to walk in the power of God, it's going to be me. If any, I don't understand why this happened and that happened and that happened and all the things. This might not have worked that, but I, today is a new day. And I have the mercy of God today. I have the faith of God today. I have the wisdom of God today. And I'm stirring myself up just today. And an indicator that you're stirred up is there's going to be joy. There's going to be a spiritual force of joy. Stir up your joy. Because without joy, there's no strength. Without joy, there's no power. Without joy, you will burn out. Without joy, you will fade. Without joy, you'll be like a fallen star. Without joy, we won't walk in the power of God. Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing... So when I'm believing, there's joy and there's peace through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. That word hope there is a confident expectation that if I'm truly believing that God is my protector, God is my healer, God is my provider, God is my way maker, God's super is coming upon my natural, there's going to be hope on the inside of me, a confident expectation that God is doing what He said He would do. He's going before me. His Word is working. Angels are working. There's joy. There's peace because I'm stirring myself up. You are a warrior. You are an arrow designed by God. Remember what we started with, that image of God as the warrior releasing arrows with the shafts burning into the spheres of influence. And as they go through this chasm, they light up with the anointing of God. God is wanting you to know you're that arrow, but you've got to stir yourself up to stay on fire for the good things of God.